Framing Young Minds is here. If you are missing an easy-to-read and yet deep resource to refocus your parenting on what really matters, then go to Amazon.com. Purchase at least two copies of our book, Framing Young Minds, right now and leave us a review. Framing Young Minds condenses a lot of what we have mentored over the past 20 years concerning parenting strong children. The author or founder, Tanya Price, focuses on eight foundational frames for Christly parenting which parents who want children to live fulfilled lives must practice. So join us right now by going to Amazon.com, purchasing at least two copies of Framing Young Minds and leaving a review. Your children at any age will thank you. God is faithful to those he chooses. Welcome to another episode of Divine Downloads, your biblical muse for the confused where we assist biblically literate males to address spiritual issues to make your family strong. Today we are talking about God's covenants with Abraham and we are looking at this from Genesis 17. Let me just bring that up quickly and we'll go into this. It's important for us to understand that we are training our families to respond to God's call. We're not going down a road of, let's say, what some people call predestination and all these fancy words. But we are looking at humans as a species of God's creation that God has singled out for ruler leadership and ruling in creation. So from that standpoint, God has chosen every human to be a leader. And within the human race, we know the story of the Bible is one of the human race rejecting God en masse. And God still singling out people. For example, Abraham. And we are looking at the story of Abraham and seeing how God responds to Abraham, who he has chosen from amongst many people on the planet. And how even despite Abraham's failings, God continues to be loyal. Let's read Genesis 17. We'll read verses 1 to 8. And we're reading the Good News Translation. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Obey me and always do what is right. I will make my covenant with you and give you many descendants. Abraham bowed down with his face, touching the ground, and God said, I make this covenant with you. I promise that you will be, that you will be, excuse me, I'm missing a word. I promise that you will be the ancestor of many nations. Your name will no longer be Abraham, but Abraham, because I am making you the ancestor of many nations. I will give you many descendants, and some of them will be kings. You will have so many descendants that they will become nations. I will keep my promise to you and to your descendants in future generations as an everlasting covenant. I will be your God and the God of your descendants. 
I will, verse 8, I will give to you and to your descendants this land in which you are now a foreigner. The whole land of Canaan will belong to your descendants forever, and I will be their God. That is Genesis 17, verses 1 to 8 from the Good News Translation. We urge you to do your own due diligence. Check this out for yourself. Don't trust your family to some voice you hear on Anchor. Um, So, we are looking at the point that we often believe our point is that God is faithful to those he chooses and we often think that we are the ones to choose Yahweh when and when we speak of Yahweh for biblically literate males but there might be other males that might not know Yahweh is the Hebrew the deity not Hebrew the deity that the, that birthed the Hebrew nation the nation that came out of Abraham Isaac and Jacob this and when we talk of a deity we're talking of a non-physical being an intelligent being that has supernatural power and is responsible for many of the circumstances that affects humans and that we face on this planet. And Yah is seen as the apex deity, the apex supernatural spiritual being. So we see that Yah is really the one who chooses us. We believe that Yah is the one who said, let there be light in Genesis 1. And the light had to respond out of the darkness. So, <clears throat> I recall seeing a poster that the U.S. Army had back in the day with a mean figure called Uncle Sam pointing his finger in the picture with the text, I want you in the army. In Genesis 17 verse 17, Yahweh contracts himself to be Abraham's God, to be Abraham's supreme magistrate, judge, strong man, a supernatural divine being. So Abraham <coughs> is sort of, God is sort of pointing to, you know, people have this figure that that of a mean God pointing and saying, I want you. Uh, however, here we see that God humbles himself, calls Abraham in a humble way in Genesis 17 verse 7. He contracts himself to be Abraham's supreme strongman, divine being. He contracts himself to serve Abraham in a sense, to be Abraham's God. Many people think that a God is a being that just bosses you around. But here, God is making a contract. Does God need to make a contract to do something for us? No. The fact that God makes a contract to, to be our God shows him as a humble God who is prepared to limit himself to a contract with a human. So, all nations and peoples have their deities. A guy called Michael Hessler, or Heisler, I believe, he is on YouTube and he speaks very powerfully of Deuteronomy 30, 32, verse 8 to 9. The fact that all nations and peoples have their supernatural beings and their deities. So, people are governed and as such chosen by spiritual beings. Deuteronomy 32, 8 to 9 teaches that all people groups across the planet, we don't just govern ourselves. There is in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 32, 8 to 9, an allocation or a splitting up by Yah of people groups to be governed by deities. And uh, Deuteronomy 32, 8 to 9 references that. Now, Yah doesn't attach himself 
to other nations by deposing their deities, but he chooses a mortal from within that nation and people group and challenges them to remove themselves and others from the influence and others they influence from the power of their the Antichrist assigned existing their existing deity or God with the ultimate goal of Yahweh himself being their God by they becoming his people through their use of choice to love Yahweh and each other. So Yahweh causes revolutions in the other nations that are assigned to other deities, some people would say demons, antichrist, spiritual forces, with the goal of the humans revolting against those deities and becoming people of God and falling under and submitting to the contract to be that God has to be the God of people who will reject their assigned deities and come to him. That's our understanding of what's happening in of what's happening in the Tanakh. They so they are the people are to show, we are to show the world. The world here now speaks to the people that are assigned to non non to Antichrist deities. We are to show the world the, the Yahweh's nature through defeating our former gods to become his chosen and messianic people. You or someone you know are interested in buying, selling or investing in real estate in Naples, Florida. Give Rashid Wellesley a call at 239-207-2955. That's 239-207-2955. Welcome back to this episode of Divine Downloads on Covenant God. And we are making the point that Yahweh is faithful to those he chooses and we ended the previous segment we're grateful for your continued attention and application with us we made the point in the previous segment that Yahweh has that when the earth in Deuteronomy 32 8 to 9 we are at a point in the biblical story where Yahweh because people have rejected him essentially Yahweh has as allocated or allowed for he not allowed for he proactively allocated various nations to different deities and he invites humans to revolt against the deities that they were assigned to by choosing him and becoming his covenant people becoming his people of contract and we looked at one of the apex persons that did that in Abraham or Abram which he was initially called the high father and we're continuing on the story of how Yahweh covenants himself to Abraham and how Abraham, Abraham before he became Abraham and how Abraham responds to this covenant from the apex deity Yahweh now Yah's covenant with Abraham in Genesis 17, because we're in Genesis 17, 1 to 8, I believe. This, this contract had some interesting characteristics, but it follows earlier covenants. Abraham was under a divine covenant from in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. So Genesis 17 is not the first time God made a contract with Abraham. 
Abraham was initially contracted. God initially contracted to be Abraham, Abraham's God from Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And there we encourage you to read this and not to trust some voice on, on, on Anchor. Abraham was to leave his comfort zone. That comfort zone was in Ur of the Chaldees. That comfort zone included his gods because he was not worshipping Yahweh at the time. If you're in Ur of the Chaldees, you're probably worshipping one of the Mesopotamian gods of that day, maybe Baal, etc. So, he is to forsake that god, as we know that's the strategy that God uses. He encourages us to forsake our idols, forsake our spiritual powers that we are currently submitted to. And Yah doesn't come into our current subsistence. But he brings us to life. So Abraham is to come to life by trusting in Yahweh. We know spiritual life is in trusting Yahweh. And spiritual death is in disobeying him and following other gods. Abraham is to go to a place. Abraham, sorry, is to go to a place. Yah will show him. And Yah will do a couple of things. One, so this is the first contract that Abraham is under in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Yah will... One, give him land. You can read this in Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. The second thing that original contract is, because we're now in Genesis 17, but we're going back to Genesis 12 to look at the first contract that Yah made with Abraham. And this is the contract in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Yah will give him land. Yah will make him a second thing. Yah will make him a great nation. A great nation here means plentiful, purposeful family beyond just housemate so Yahweh is not just calling Abraham to start his own family but he's calling Abraham to start a nation that will be plentiful but not just plentiful in a wasted way but purposeful a family who has a mission to show the world Yahweh the third thing of this contract Yahweh promises to Abraham that once he leaves his comfort zone and goes to a land that Yahweh will show him Yahweh will bless him and curse his enemies. And the fourth thing here is that Yahweh will bless the world through Abraham. The world will be blessed through Abraham. Abraham and his descendants are not to be insular or xenophobic, but they are to be people who infect the world with the goodness of God. Then, so that's the four things that God promises under the contract in Genesis 12 to Abraham. Then Abraham goes to the promised land. See Genesis 12 verse 5 for that. That could have been the end of the story if Abraham trusted Yah's contract. However, in the famine test, we see a famine in Genesis 12 as a test. Abraham chooses to go to Egypt, a land that he chooses for himself. And you can read Genesis 12 verse 10 to the end to see that Yahweh did not tell Abraham to go to Egypt. Abraham chose Egypt for himself. He is facing a test, we believe here, uh, called a famine. A test through a famine and he chooses instead of allowing God to fulfill his contract in Genesis 12. In the land, he chooses to go somewhere else that Yahweh did not determine him to go. Yah endorses the family going to Egypt only in Genesis 46 verse 3. When he allows Israel to go down to Egypt, and that's when Israel is much, that's Israel, not Abraham. Israel is a grandson of Abraham. So Abraham, who becomes Abraham, he is not 
God doesn't sanction him. He sanctions his grandkids to go to Egypt. So we understand that this is sort of like Adam and Eve choosing the forbidden fruit. And we understand that God is working with us in our doubt. Now, is that a sign of doubt? That meaning Abraham going to Egypt in Genesis 12. Is that a sign of doubt? Those that cancel the contract? That's very interesting. Yah's covenant in Genesis 12, 1 to 3 seems conditioned on Abraham, on Abraham occupying the promised land. Yah didn't show Abraham Egypt, and in my own, my understanding, Abraham voids Genesis 12, 1 to 3 by leaving Canaan. Now, Yah wants to make a claim on land named after Canaan. Canaan, if you recall, was biblically literate males. He was a son of Ham. And, and Ham is a descendant of Noah. And, and Ham brought shame on his descendants with some sort of intimate act concerning Noah, his father. Many people believe he slept with his mom and some people believe something else may have happened between him and his father of a sexual nature uh, of a, an embarrassing nature. Many people say sexual, some people say embarrassing. The, the whole thing of what does uncovering his father's skirt mean you know, that's a biblical debate. Yah wants to bless his people who are descendants of Shem. Shem was one of Noah's sons who covered up Noah and Ham's shame in the land, which is named after Ham's descendant, Canaan. So that's a, by, that's a, a side point, a footnote in terms of what's happening here. Why does, does he have to go? Why does Abraham have to go to Canaan? Of all the land that's out there, why Canaan? And Yah has a specific purpose that is linked, that is traced back to what um, Canaan's descendant Ham did to his father Noah. And Yah wants to bless Shem for being somebody who covers his father's shame rather than exposes it. And many of us who are children understand that Yah wants us to honor our parents. And when we dishonor our parents, we are dispossessed of the land. We honor our parents, we are, we are able to possess the land. And Yah is actively enforcing that here for descendants of Shem and for descendants of Canaan, who are, uh, uh, who are Ham's descendants. Ham brought shame to his father, Noah. So uh, let's take a break here and come back after the next episode, after the next segment. Welcome again to this Divine Downloads on Faithful God and we're making the central point that God is faithful to those he chooses. In our previous segment, um, we looked at Abram, a descendant of Shem, of the Hebrew the Hebrew tribe, if you call it that, the Hebrew family. And Shem is a Hebrew who, and we know the Hebrew are descendants of a man called Eber, but this Hebrew uh, Shem, he was somebody who tried to promote his father Noah. He didn't expose and embarrass his father Noah when his father Noah was drunk and and uh, was in his tent. But one of his brothers Ham did something shameful to expose his dad Noah. And his descendants, Canaan, they settled in the land of Canaan. The land is named after them. And here, 
God is or Yahweh to us here, he is ensuring that Shem's descendants are the ones who get to experience this very fertile land in Canaan, this land that is so fruitful, this land that is coming close to what Eden was like in some regards. So we ended there where we said that uh, that Ham's descendants, Canaan, are being dispossessed. God wants to dispossess them of the land because they brought Shin to Noah, their father, and they are. It's it's a sort of um, disequilibrium. It's not a righteous act for them to be benefiting in this land when Shem was the one and his descendants, uh, of whom Abraham is one of them, is the one that brought blessing and tried to help his father. Was honorably honored his father. Noah, when Noah was shame, was in a shameful situation, and we see this as a very powerful story that we as children should honor our parents and we should not expose them when they're vulnerable. But anyway, that's another point. Abraham falls into this whole divine contract. This God, God's principles of life, God will enforce them, and Abraham is is one who falls into this. In Genesis 12, God made the first contract to give him land that these people called Canaanites were possessing. And then Genesis 17 is where we see God making another contract. Now later, he, Yahweh, blesses Isaac. Isaac is the son of Abraham. And Isaac's name, Isaac's name means mockery or laughter. He brings honor to Yah brings honor to shameful situations. That's the point we're making. So after Abraham breaks the Genesis 12 contract, we say Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is a contract that Abraham broke by going to Egypt. That's our understanding of what's happening here. Now Abraham returns to Canaan. He separates from his nephew, Lot. Rescues set Lot from some Canaanite enemies and is then blessed by the Messianic king and priest of Salem later to be united Israel's capital of Jerusalem that Salem becomes Jerusalem this Melchizedek is the king of Salem which is king of peace Yah makes another contract or covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 so we're looking at what happened between Genesis 12 and Genesis 17 why does God have to make another contract in Genesis 17 we're saying that in Genesis 12 God makes a contract then in Genesis 15 in the face of Abraham's doubt, Abraham's doubt, as he still has no children, Genesis 15, 2 tells us that, Yah commands him to sacrifice after he continues to wobble between faith and doubt in Genesis 15, 68. So Abraham seems to doubt the Genesis 12, 1 to 3 covenant, that's our understanding, or he knows that he broke it. He has no certainty of success. Yah then makes another covenant with Abraham to give his descendants the land of Egypt, the land from Egypt to the Euphrates, and that's seen in Genesis 15, verse 18. And we know the story here. And, and God says there are going to be four generations of slavery in Egypt. And we are saying the point, we're making this point here that did Abraham's trip to Egypt open this slavery outcome? Did Abraham's doubtful migration to Egypt influence his descendants to become slaves in that same land? Does Yahweh allow our idols to enslave us? 
Then in Genesis 16, Abram again doubts Yahweh and takes matters into his own hands to bring forth seed by his wife's slave and his girlfriend or common-law wife, some people say concubine, Hagar, instead of trusting the promise Yah made in Genesis 15 to give him descendants with land already divinely allocated to them. Now, indeed, many teach that because Abraham and Sarai take advantage of Hagar, their Egyptian slave, to illegally bring offspring, the fair thing is that Abraham's offsprings are enslaved to Egypt. Again, the idol enslaves the idolater. This act of getting a child with Hagar again seems to void the contract. It seems covenants come with tests. And Abraham is consistently failing the test. And Yah is consistently being faithful to him whilst allowing him and by extension his descendants to experience some of the managed consequences of his doubtful actions. So we're making this point that Yah here is a covenant God. He is being faithful to Abraham. Abraham is still being unfaithful, I think. New Testament writers talk about this, that the unfaithfulness of man does not change God's faithfulness. So, here in Genesis 17, Yahweh makes another covenant with Abraham. So, we're, this was all the background to Genesis 17, where we are today. God is consistently making contracts with Abraham. Abraham is consistently failing these contracts. He is partially complying and we know partial compliance is failure with the contract and here we're in genesis 17 yeah is making another contract with abram this time he changes abram's name after the high father abram means high father proud father he bows low in verse 3 of, of genesis 17 that showcase what david said in psalm 25 verse 9 the meek he will guide in judgment the meek he will teach his ways abram means proud father some people say high father, but high here also means proud, exalted father. And all along we see Abraham acting as if his choices were good alternatives to Yahweh's covenant or Yahweh's will. Now Yah builds a name for Abraham that connects him to the promises he has determined for him to be a national father, that is Abraham. Framing Young Minds is here. If you are missing an easy-to-read and yet deep resource to refocus your parenting on what really matters, then go to Amazon.com. Purchase at least two copies of our book, Framing Young Minds, right now and leave us a review. Framing Young Minds condenses a lot of what we have mentored over the past 20 years concerning parenting strong children. The author or founder, Tanya Price, focuses on eight foundational frames for Christly parenting which parents who want children to live fulfilled lives must practice. So join us right now by going to Amazon.com, purchasing at least two copies of Framing Young Minds and leaving a review. Your children at any age will thank you.
Thank you for continuing with us on this divine download. And today we are continuing on the main point that Yahweh is faithful to those he chooses. We are believing that this is a transformational point for us as means to understand that once we're alive, God has chosen us for a purpose because the, it's a miracle. Life is a miracle. And then we understand that this man Abraham is going through his life experience, his journey. He's a descendant of Shem. Shem is a Hebrew who was honorable to his father. His father Noah had a little drinking problem one night and he ended up in a shameful situation. And one of Shem's brothers, Ham, disgraced Noah in that situation, did something very shameful, extremely shameful concerning his dad. And Shem was one of the brothers who corrected that situation and Yahweh wants to promote Shem to dispossess Canaan's descendants. Ham is, is uh, Canaan is a descendant of Ham who caused shame to Noah. And here we see that Abraham here is in a contract with Yahweh. God has contracted with him. Abraham joins the contract to obeying Yahweh and Yahweh initially obeying him but partially obeying him at points and he does leave from Genesis 12 Ur of the Chaldees he does go to Canaan but he in facing a famine chooses to go to Egypt he breaks the contract in our understanding and he is going through these consequences that comes from him partially being submissive to Yahweh and in Genesis uh, I believe 17 we see Yahweh now entering into either the third or fourth contract with Abraham and one of the things he does here is to change his name from Abram which is high exalted some people say proud father to now Abraham which is a national father father of a nation so naming shows Yah's dominion as this was Adam's first governance act in Eden to name the land animals and his wife Eve Jesus also changes names of his disciples, including he changes Peter and Saul's names. The naming was also part of a contract with them. Matthew 16, 18 says, uh, when he, before he says to Peter upon this rock, he says, And I say unto you that you are Peter. So many people call him Simon. Uh, but here, God gives him, Jesus gives him the name Peter, Simon's surname Peter. And that is one very powerful thing that he does continuing here this tradition or this powerful governance act from what he did with Abraham, changing his name to Abraham. The priest's function was also to put Yahweh's name on the people to stamp them for blessing. You can see number 627. So naming is also important for people to be blessed. So after yeah, many people look at this, us as males, we have to look at this very importantly. Those of us who are naming our children or all, all sorts of names, we want to encourage us to understand the name that we're putting on our children. Understand our own name, but to understand that Yahweh isn't someone that's stuck in the name. Let's say if you have a family and they have a history of drinking or you have a family who has because your name is your identity and your character this is your name says this is our title this is how we conduct ourselves and 
if you have a family that has been disgraceful in their character in the past Yahweh can change and he has a tradition of changing people from their traditional behavior to a more holy and beneficial behavior and we are that's a part, a part of the point we're seeing here of Abraham's name being changed so after Yahweh stamped his dominion on Abraham in Genesis 17 verse 5 he then makes another covenant in Genesis 17 verse 7 to 15 we read some of that earlier this covenant involves four provisions so in Genesis 17 7 to 15 we encourage you to read through and we will see that one God the provisions of this Genesis 17 contract is that one God is going to be their personal and national deity deity again is a hero a supreme judge a supernatural strong man Two. This is again the second point of the Genesis 17 covenant Yah is making with Abraham again, even though Abraham is fumbling his way in obedience to God. Abraham doesn't is not positioned as some kind of superhuman who just obeys God. Like, you know, many people see Jesus as that, that he's not struggling with his relationship with God, even though that's not accurate. But here we see Abraham definitely struggling with his relationship with God. And many of us as males we tend to draw away from God but here we see Abraham even though he's fumbling he's fumbling his way he's keeping his faith in God so the second thing that God does in Genesis 17 he takes or he gives to Abraham ownership of Canaan three Abraham the third provision is that Abraham is to is uh, is about circumcision this is a very controversial uh, provision for many this is a sign that Abraham's fertility and Abraham's sexuality his manliness is marked is scarred by Yahweh now other nations allegedly practice circumcision example we know Egypt from historical records practice circumcision but not with this meaning they would practice circumcision and still conduct themselves in very promiscuous ways but with the Egyptians with a Hebrew circumcision the meaning is that our sexuality or manliness is 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 scarred is marked by God every time a Hebrew man or Hebraite male saw his circumcised penis is to remind him that his member, his genitals, is under a covenant to Yahweh. See Genesis 17, 12 to 13. That's very powerful because Abraham, he acted in a very vulgar way with his slave Sarah, with um, his slave Hagar, apologies. And Abraham, no, God is now telling Abraham, you don't have multiple choice about your sexuality. The scarring is to submit, is a sign of submission that you bear the mark of Yahweh on your genitalia. Your sexuality is under divine ownership. Fourth, so that's the third point in the Genesis 17 contract that our sexuality is governed by Yahweh. We submit our sexual expression to the will of Yahweh. The fourth element of the Genesis 17 contract, Sarai, her name which means dominative, that name is changed to Sarah as the mother of a nation or a queen. She's now mistress and noble female. Where Yah chooses marriage, a messianic male's mission requires both parties are born again into the, the new divine name and not an unequal yoking or what we call Frankenstein marriage. 
we understand here that when Yahweh changed Abraham's name for Sarai to be yoked with him equally, her name also needs to be changed. Now, after all that in Genesis 17, Abraham shows that the name change hasn't soaked in yet. He hasn't internalized his name change as he immediately presents Yahweh with an alternate option as he doubts Yahweh's capacity to bring him seed. He's now 99 years old and he mocks the covenant that he will have a descendant with Sarah and Yah, who specializes in turning mockery to glory, names the prophesied child Isaac. In all Abraham's doubt, in all Abraham's doubt, we see Yahweh revealing himself as supreme regardless. In Abraham, we see Yah pulling an idolatrous mortal out of the darkness and into the light of a divine relationship where the mortal allows Yah to be supreme in his experiences. Yah shows that when he chooses, chooses someone, he commits to them. He goes all in, despite us playing hanky-panky. You know, you put your rifle in, you put your rifle out, you put your rifle in. It's like a hanky-panky uh, kind of relationship, for those who recall what that game was about. Yah shows his commitment to humans to be our God, our strong man, our supernatural deity and judge, to the point of, for us here in Christian faith, giving us his son, Jesus of Nazareth. And you can see John 3.16 and Romans 8 verse 30. Lincoln here from Turn to Burn. Thank you for coming to the end of another Manliness Rally with us. If you need assistance in implementing and executing or following through on the proposals, on the suggestions, on the hints that we gave you today, we encourage you to visit us at famtfamily.com and to sign up for one of our messianic programs. We also encourage you to join our Facebook family or at our Facebook handle, FamTStrong. You can also email us at connect at famtfamily.com. And can encourage you to have a great day today, crushing effeminacy. Why rob God and this world of you and your family? And until next time, be nuclear.